It is Monday, September 26, 2022. This is another edition of Baseball Today. He is back in the hot seat. My man Trevor Plouffe has returned from his luxurious vacation. We have producer Dan along for the ride. I am Chris Rose. I am thrilled for so many reasons, but the biggest reason being it is our baby boy's 17th birthday. Young Brady Rose, your little buddy, is 17. He's a year closer to adulthood. I love it. Happy birthday, Brady. I saw that on IG this morning. Uh, I got to reach out to him. You got to give me his number because we need to talk about what happens at 17, 18, 19. Things are changing. Let's grow this young kid up, bro. I don't know, Chad. Should I give uh, Ploof my youngest son's number to um, give him all of his uh, sage advice on life? I don't know. That sounds that sounds risky at best. Dude, I, I believe I'm a very, very good mentor. So come on, man. Well, welcome him into adulthood. I'll take him out for a beer. Oh, no, that's not. No, 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 no. He's not 17. Yet. Stop. Oh, 17. Oh, okay. Jesus. Four years. When was today. your? What? When was your first beer? That, that, we don't need to talk about that stuff. He might be listening today. So that, stop. We're going to we're going down a road. We don't want to go down. Here's where okay. I want to go. Because let's raise a glass and toast the newest member of the 700 Home Run Club. He actually joined 699 and 700 all on the same night in legendary Dodger Stadium. Home runs. It's really going to hit me when I'm done at the end of the season and I'm retired and probably a month or two after that, like I can look at the numbers and, you know, don't get me wrong, I know where my place is stand in this game. You know, I, I guess I just don't want to disrespect, you know, what's happening and what's around me and then my teammates, you know, and really I don't want to do it 22 years later, you know, just because I'm close to hitting a milestone like I did tonight. When you saw it happen or saw the video of it because you were out camping, did you get like a little nostalgic and say, wow, this might be the last time I get to see somebody join this elite company? I didn't think about that aspect of it. I was just super happy for Albert. And the one like screenshot or clip that I just loved was his face when he like looked in the dugout uh, when he almost was at first base. It's just like the the pure joy really kind of like, brings it all the way back. This guy's been doing it for so long. And when you've been doing it for that long, like it can become a job. And I think it did become like a job for him when he was in Anaheim. Cause he mentioned that he really liked doing it in LA because he really found his love for baseball when he got traded over there and got to go to the postseason, like kind of rejuvenated his love for the game. And man, like watching him on the Cardinals all season long, regardless if he was at this home run mark or not, like him having fun out there playing good baseball is, is something I think that Albert really appreciates. And and I keep saying this over and over in this, in this race is that he's doing it at pivotal moments. He's not like getting sloppy homers, like, you know, late homers and that he's hitting homers that mean something. So I think that is really cool. And just the way he's handled it, and he's right there, he's talking about how, you know, this is his team, they're focused on the playoffs. So after the season, he'll start to talk and really reminisce about what his career has been. But 
Albert is a, is a class act all the way, dude. Every single time we hear a soundbite from this guy, every single time, you know, I just start to think about the guys that I played with that were that old. Jim, tell me, I know how much work it takes for Albert to get ready for those swings during the game, man. And you know what? Like that swing against Heaney was nasty for 699. Like the guy still got it going on, man. And I hope that that continues throughout the postseason. But it's been a, an absolute pleasure to watch this. So I thought of a lot of things. I thought about uh, people like myself who counted him out um, when he was DFA'd by the Angels. I was like, who's going to want him? Really? Like, I get it. Maybe some young team will want somebody who's got some advice, but he's not going to help a, a playoff contender. And then he went to L.A. up the road to Dodger Stadium and did some nice things. And then when he signed back with the Cardinals, I was like, OK, this is a cute little story. There's no way he's going to hit 19 more homers or whatever it is to get to 700. And my God, what happens if he's hitting like 187 in August and they need a roster spot and they have to DFA him again? Like, I thought about all the negative and shame on me, but I, I don't think I was alone here. So I loved a couple of things about it. I loved the time that he spent with Yachty. I loved the time that he spent with Wayno and hugging those guys. And because I, I never thought he would go back to St. Louis. Dude, I was working the desk the morning that he signed with the Angels at the winter meetings in Dallas. We got breaking news, and I was on breaking news standby for MLB Network. I had to run down, put a suit on, and I remember myself and Tom Verducci talking. We were like, holy shit, Albert Pujols is leaving St. Louis. We didn't think it was possible. Remember, they had just won another World Series. Yeah. He had three MVPs in his pocket. They were letting one of the greatest players in baseball history, let alone franchise history, leave. And I was like, there's so for him to go back and for him to contribute and for him to be able to reach this milestone in Redbird Red is awesome. It, it, uh, it is awesome. And I was one of those people, too. I think at the time uh, we were saying when he got designated uh, by the Angels, I think I said, hey, this guy needs to go to a, a young team like the Baltimore Orioles is who I said. Exactly. And he can help them, you know, like almost be a de facto hitting coach. Mm-hmm. But here he is saying, uh, 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 I got a lot of Amazing. baseball left. I guess not a lot of baseball left, but still got some good baseball left. Hey, real quickly. So the person who caught number 700 had the ball authenticated and left the yard. And Albert did not make a big deal about it. He was like, listen, I, souvenirs are for the fans. Like, if I get it back, great. If I don't, I'm fine with that, too. He seems to be at peace. It sounds like the Cardinals and Major League Baseball have reached out to this person, and the person's hanging on to it, and that is their choice. This is a milestone home run. We're talking about could be major six figures. You, you don't have any problem with the way this is played out, or do you? I don't, and I've said this before. I mean, and there are, there are cases, Supreme Court cases, that talk about what happens when a ball leaves the bat. I mean, it is the property of whoever catches it. I went into a rabbit hole about this Papa versus Hayashi thing. That was Bonds' 73rd home run. Go check out that story. These guys actually end up splitting uh, ownership of the baseball. Right. You, I think, Chris, it's better off with a fan. And, like, let him, you know, like, this could be life-changing money for somebody. Okay? Could be. And, like, Pujols, like, he's got a lot of memorabilia and, and a lot of stuff. I don't think he needs a 700 baseball. Would he like it? Sure. Would the Hall of Fame like it? Sure. But I think, like, it, for the most people in those stands, like it's the life-changing money will mean more to them than the ball will to Pujols. Pujols has a million other memories about this. And in my experience, you know, these things, 
they're nice to have, but they don't mean everything. It's more about like the moment and the and all that together. I, I don't think Albert's like clamoring for this seven hundred ball to put on his trophy case. We can look at it every single day. I just don't think that's the case. So I, I don't have any problem with this guy doing what he's doing. Okay, interesting. Uh, so we move from the world of personal accomplishment to team goals, which is really what it's all about over the one sixty two. Uh, playoff spots are filling up rapidly, including my Cleveland Guardians. The little engine that could <laughs> wrapped it up with a victory down in Texas. Actually, it happened a few innings earlier after the Tigers swept the White Sox on Chicago's south side. So, yes, the youngest team in baseball will be playing meaningful baseball in October. Tito, you loving it? It's not easy. Winning's hard. These guys should be so proud. I mean, I mean, they, I, I, you, this isn't, this is organic. This is, this is what happiness is. Can we just start with that? I don't know where he was on the slosh meter, as we like to say, but <laughs> good for Terry Francona, who has battled some bad health issues over the last few years to be able to be rejuvenated himself and feel well enough to, to soak this in literally and figuratively. Um, great scene down there in Texas on Sunday. How big a deal is it, though, that the youngest team in baseball is going to the promised land? It's a big deal. But first, I thought you were going to switch hats on me, bro. Come on, you missed yeah, a I chance know. I thought about to it. throw I the did. Guardians hat on. <laughs> hey, Albert no, deserves this to have okay. the entire show. I, I think it's a really big deal. And I I kind of I love what Tito said. I, I listened to more of his quotes. He just talks about like, you know, the expectations they set for themselves in spring training. Okay. Every team sets those expectations in spring training. Every team says, we got to run the bases more aggressively. We got to play defense. Um, we got to put the ball in play. Let's cut down the strikeouts. Problem is, it doesn't really ever happen. Most teams just go and do what they do. Cleveland's done that. They've done all those things that every single team in spring training talks about. They've been aggressive on the base pass. Chris, they might have five guys with 20 stolen bases. Look around the league. That doesn't happen. Okay, they're yeah. taking the extra base. We talk about this all the time. They're tough outs. Like they make pitchers work. They play good defense. Again, this is what every single team says in spring training, but it doesn't ever happen. They made it happen. And like, were they advantageous on a week AL Central? Sure, but it doesn't matter. Like they played their brand of baseball and they played it very well. And dude, like, Seeing those guys, seeing Quan and Naylor and Bieber and McKenzie talking, you know, uh, you know, post game champagne celebration, it was just really cool because every single guy mentioned how hard they have worked, and that I don't think that's lip service, dude. Like I think this team went in and put the work in. A bunch of dudes that are hungry to be in the big leagues, number one, and want and trying to stay there, and number two, they want to win, and now they got a taste of it, Chris. And once you get a taste of it. Man, you want to come back for more and more and more. So I think this is great for the Guardians this year. I think this is great for the Guardians for the next three years. Like, very, it's very cool to see this. I'm very proud of you and the city of Cleveland, man. I'm happy for you guys. And no reason for you to be proud of me. You can be happy for me. I didn't do <laughs> shit other than support the team. And I will remember that on opening day, I saw them in Kansas City. I was like, oh my God, we're not going to hit work yet. We, we, have barely, we, we barely have enough guys that can hit out of the fucking infield like this is it's not going to happen like they could get to 80 wins you know be that'll, that'll be cute the fact that they've done this i i am so happy for this group of guys and hedges has told us 
countless times on the Rose rotation. He's like, I'm not, it's not lipsers to say that this is far and away the best clubhouse I've ever been on. Like these guys, they care so much about one another. They're young guys. He goes so many, so many times young guys come up here and they're strictly worried about themselves. Like, okay, I've made it here. How do I stay here? Why are they getting at bats and not me? Why are they getting an opportunity and not me? He said, we haven't seen that. They had 16 guys make their major league debut this year. And they still made the postseason. On September 4th, they were tied for first. What did they do? While the veteran White Sox and the veteran Twins were dealing with injuries and inconsistency and lousy play and et cetera, they ripped off 18 out of 21 games. Stacked wins. They didn't bitch about anything. They heard people laugh about, oh, the AL Central sucks. They didn't go out and pick which division they wanted to be a part of this year. Just that's the way it goes. Sometimes you win 90 games, you don't make the playoffs. Sometimes you win 88, you do. And that's it. Good for them. They are just the seventh team in baseball history to be the youngest club and make the playoffs. Last time it happened was the 86 Mets. And I'm not going to tell you how that story finished. <laughs> figure it out yourself. I think I know. I think I know. I, I you know, I, I think having 16 dudes make their debut worked in all of their favors. Cause like you said, sometimes when you come up as a rookie, like you are trying to establish yourself, you're not, you're not going to play selfish baseball, uh, but it's different, man. Like, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, you're fighting for yourself, but when you have a bunch of guys doing it together, I mean, you could take the mentality that, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. Like let's go win baseball games and we're all going to be good because of it. And I think that that's kind of the mentality that they took. They kind of leaned on each other. Hey, this is a scary thing, but if a bunch of us, are making their debuts or, you know, some of us are uh, first, second year guys, like let's lean on each other. Yes. We have some veterans here that can help us out too. But I think really having that, like the common theme of being young together, I think worked great for them. And they used like all that talk about how oh, they're not really supposed to be here, bad division, whatever. I think they used that talk to, for a little bit of motivation, dude. And here they are popping champagne, dude. I love it. Yeah, it's I so know. cool. Yeah, it's a great, great story. And uh, more teams will be celebrating over the next nine days or so as we continue to see more champagne dreams. Uh, two teams that um, we knew were going to be playing in October have some interesting pitching decisions coming up. I know this is baseball today, but it's okay if you love football too. I surely do. We're three weeks into the season and things have started to kick off. Teams are breaking down film. They're getting ready for their next game. And while the teams are working on their game plan, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is drawing up a winning play for all of their new customers. All you got to do is sign up, use promo code JOHNBOY, you bet $5 on any team to win before the game kicks off, and you're going to receive an additional $200 in free bets if your team wins. We're talking free bets. $5 to win $200. That's all you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers use promo code JOHNBOY and receive $200 in free bets if their team wins after placing a $5 pre-game wager. That's promo code JOHNBOY only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, the Dodgers, they clinched home field advantage throughout the National League playoffs. Uh, but the other big news, Dustin May goes to the injured list. He's got a bad back. And then they announced on Friday that Craig Kimbrell has been removed from the closers role. Meanwhile, in Atlanta, Spencer Strider, who has just been filthy all season long, went on the injured list with an oblique. Now, both the Dodgers and Braves think that May and Strider are going to be okay for the postseason. Those are tricky situations, though. 
So which pitching moves were a bigger, bigger deal? The ones in LA or the one in Atlanta? This is the question. It's a tough question. It is. This is the one you got me on. Okay. Because for the Dodgers, you know, May is some, you know, depth and a very good depth to have. They needed him here. I don't think the Kimbrell move is that big of a deal. They have plenty of options down there. Like, do you want to have a set closer as you go into play- the playoffs? Sure. But, you know, they have a bunch of guys. Evan Phillips has been great. Gradrol can do it. They brought over Martin. Uh, Vessi. I mean, there's a ton of options there. If they wanted to go closer by committee or ride the hot hand, I think they could do it. The Strider news for Atlanta is is troubling because he felt at the end of his last start, and then it picked up again in like a side session. And we talk we talk about obliques all the time because they happen all the time here. He got arrested, and like I think they're probably this is what I think is going to happen, Chris. I think they're going to arrest him here, and then they're going to try to ramp him up to be ready for the postseason. But that's really scary, and it's not something that you can say like, "Hey, dude, like." Let's bump you to the bullpen and, and and decrease your workload. That doesn't matter. Like it's the intensity of the pitches. I think if he was in the bullpen, he might even be worse. So they have to figure this out, man. Because if one of their strong suits that Atlanta has is the ability to run out Freed, Wright, Morton, Strider, and have four like legit starters there. Take one of those away. Three is good, but I think four is better. I, to answer your question, I think this Strider news hits harder than what the Dodgers are dealing with. Yeah. With, with Atlanta, they're hoping that it, they could actually follow in Max Scherzer's cleats, right? Where they rest him for a couple weeks and he comes back and it makes it even more important that they get the buy now. Right. Yes. And it, it 100%. Important because now if they have to go that weekend of that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right out the gate, I mean, every extra day would help, but I will say this. I think the Dodger news is bigger okay. right now. Urias, Kershaw, Anderson, three lefties. I thought Dustin May was starting to build back up. Um, so now if they have game four in a five-game series, what are they going to go, bullpen game? They need him back big time. They need him yeah, back. Yeah, they need time. him. And the, the, the Kimbrel thing does not surprise me. It surprises me it came with – a little more than two weeks to go in the season or two weeks to go in the season, that decision, but it doesn't surprise me. There were times where I was like, man, and I don't even think he's going to be on the playoff roster, which is too bad because he's really been one of the most dominant closers over the last decade. Plus, I think it's a, it's kind of a rough ending for him that way. Um, but I was surprised that the Dodgers didn't do more at the trade deadline. I said you it at the time. That. Yeah. I, I really think that they, even though they they're setting a franchise record for, wins in a season i don't know how they've done it pitching wise you know leading starters era by a lot and all sorts of it's crazy it really is you keep reminding me how left-handed heavy that rotation is and it it, it scares me like gonsolin i guess i'm reading right now they're saying if he does come back it's he won't throw more than four innings so they might have some piggyback stuff like that um well that's what they're gonna have to hope for you know heaney like, does Heaney get a start in game four? You go lefty, 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 lefty. And with a guy like Heaney, you hope he gives you three or four innings tops. And that's good. It's it's just interesting that the best team in baseball is going to be piecing some playoff games together. And I guess that's okay because even with the closer situation over the last decade plus, look at some of the guys who have been on the mound when the World Series ends, right? Like, yes, we saw Charlie Morton 
as a starter, do it for the Astros. I think Chris Sale did it. Um, Madison Bumgarner did it in 2014 for the Giants. So it's not always the dominant closer. Mariano Rivera coming out to slam the door shut in the World Series. That's just not the way it always is. So I guess, if anything, and even Julio Urias was the guy that closed it out for the Dodgers in 2020. So they're going to they're gonna have to get creative. Do you think they call upon some of the guys at AAA? I mean, they have some top prospects oh. there. It's happened before, man. I know it has. My guy Bobby Miller is that- a stone-cold I- killer. Boy, could you imagine a guy getting his first real taste of baseball in October? We've seen it. We just saw Shane McClanahan just did it. I know. I know. The lefty for uh, what's it called for the White Sox also did it. So like it's happened, and like these guys are Gary Crochet. Yeah, these guys are built up, man. You're right. I think you. I think you have to. You can't have all those lefties. I know. That's 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 like ridiculous. That's why I'm just saying to me that 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 situation is more interesting. At least with Strider, that they knew they were never going to get Soroka back. You know, and that was finally the door was finally shut on that. Unfortunately, hopefully we'll see him in 2023. I like that kid a lot, but that's just one guy we're focusing on here. This is multiple moving situations for both the rotation and the back end of the bullpen. A lot going on. Uh, let's focus on a former. Yes, you wanted to get to something. I think you changed my mind. I think the Dodgers situation is bigger. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Good job. It's not like a big deal. I don't feel like it's a win, but Rose won nothing. Uh, let's talk about a former Dodger manager who is about to become a former Marlins manager. Don Mattingly and the Marlins have decided to part ways after this season concludes. He is the longest tenured and the winningest manager in franchise history. Uh, does it feel like the right time to get a new voice as Mattingly called it? Those were his words, not mine. You know, this was like a mutually agreed upon decision. And most of the time you're like, you know, like, okay. I think this might have been, dude. Like, Mattingly, like, what is – he doesn't have to do anything more in the game, dude. Like, obviously, his illustrious playing career, you know, he's he's managed for, what, 10 years now, 11 years? Like, maybe it's time for him that he just wants to take some time off. Like, he got over to the Marlins, thought he had a certain team. They sell the team. That team is gone. They bring in, you know, a bunch of new prospects that they, they brought over. And, like, he – you know, he, he's done all right with them, but I think he sees the direction of the team and he's like, this is going to take a few years. I don't know if he wants to be a part of like another pseudo rebuild. And in my opinion, I think it's, it's a good time for him to step away and maybe the Marlins need someone that's ready to go through that grind because I mean, I, I, I thought this team was going to do some things this year. It just hasn't. They have a lot of stuff to address in the offseason. And if I'm Don Mattingly, I, I don't really want to be a part of that again. So chalk them up to another team that is going to be looking for a manager in this offseason. We have what, we have like five teams that fired their manager this year now. It's if you want to be a manager, now's the time. Throw your hat in the ring because there's a lot of teams mm-hmm. that need it. I love Don Mattingly. I loved him as a ball player, even though he didn't play on my team. Uh, I loved him as a Dodger manager. I loved him as a Marlins manager. I have always had great conversations with the dude, and he's just one of the few guys who I thought he's one of the few superstars that became a manager. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Very hard guy. It is hard as hell. So I appreciate everything he's tried. I think that if you hooked him up to the lie detector test and asked him how frustrating 2022 was, he would say, 
there's not a number I could put on it. If you had, did a scale of one to 10 and probably be up 23 is number. Cause I looked at that team and I was like, they're a team that could surprise with that pitching. They could surprise. They go through the Jeter stuff in spring training where he's like, I'm out of here. They didn't sign the right guys. These dudes they've been waiting for to come up and fire the ball over the, you know, over the home run fence. That hasn't happened. They blow games several times a week. The Marlins are blowing games out of the bullpen that they just should not be losing. I'm kind of a quasi Marlins fan because of Miggy Rowe. I can't watch them. I can't. They're super frustrating. So I think Don Mattingly, good for you. Get out. Go back to Evansville, Indiana. Go shoot hoops with your kids. Go hang out. Go watch some baseball. Just chill and just be Donnie. They got to get this thing right. I'm rooting for Kim Ang. I am rooting yep. for her. I want to see them get it right because it feels like that community could embrace this team. They've got some fun guys down there, but shit. Let's go. I've had enough. They have fucking three players in the top 100. Two of them are pitchers. One's having Tommy John. They have one position player in the top 100 prospects. All I keep hearing is the Marlins farm system. We're turning the corner. Stop. Jesus. Now you're getting rid of one of the really good dudes in baseball, and I'm pissed off about it. Yeah, you know, farm systems don't make your big league roster. They're supposed to help supplement your big league roster. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, I agree. Good for Donnie. Come on, come on, Chris Rose's uh, rotation. Yeah. Parting interview. You guys can talk about everything. Talk about Evansville, Indiana. Because I know the Purple Ace, Purple something. Who's the college out there? Purple Aces? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Evansville. Jamie Carroll's uh, from Indiana, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great guy, Jamie Carroll. I love him. Um, the, the Purple Aces, I don't remember if they still do it, but their uh, basketball team, like in the 80s, they used to wear sleeves. You know, every basketball team doesn't have sleeves. They used to wear sleeves. I was like, why is that team wearing sleeves? That was their thing. The Purple Aces, they used to wear sleeves. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, okay. it was weird luck. You know all these weird things. I like that. Yeah, this is it. I know about sports. And, and if you ask me anything outside of the realm of sports, I'm a moron. I'm actually dumb when it comes to sports, too, but that's just because my opinions suck. Um, all right. Crazy game yesterday in Kansas City. The Royals put up an 11 spot, I think, of the seventh inning to come back and upend uh, Seattle, who's had all sorts of issues. But even the game started strangely. Robbie Ray and Luke Weaver, pitchers on each team. They used to be teammates out in Arizona. They did the little after the national anthem standoff, right, where they have still have their heart their hat over their heart and looking at each other and playing it straight face and hold the umpire and crew is like guys we got to start and so adrian johnson the home plate umpire is like screw it y'all are out of here y'all get out they so they got ejected and weaver said you know what i knew i lost the standoff against robbie ray but i didn't know until somebody told me that i'd been ejected and he felt bad because he could have used him out of the bullpen um mike Matheny <laughs> said that wasn't that big a deal but do you have a problem like did this thing go too far or should the umpires have handled it differently or what? I, I loved everything about it. And thank goodness the Royals came back and stole the game because Weaver, you can't be getting beat on your own turf like that. You let Robbie ah. Ray outstand. You got to stay there no matter what though. That's just how it goes, man. So I think, this is one of my favorite like pregame things. I, I I like the standoff a lot. I'm happy that Robbie stood his ground, man, because it is. Uh, I've had some guys do it 
I've asked them about it afterwards. And like they say, this is the most nervous I've ever been standing out there. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're on an island. Everybody's watching you and you can't move. So I don't know. Shout out Robbie. I had no, and you know what the umpires, I love that they threw him out. It makes it even better. Just get out of here. Get out of here. And you know what? If I'm, if I got tossed, you just stay there until they physically remove you from the field. Oh God, that would have been great. I wish I would. You know, I'm, I'm mad. I never did this. I would, I think I would have done really well. Oh, you would have done great. Yeah. There. I don't give a shit. I don't know. I think it's kind of run its course, but this one, I guess, kind of saved it a little bit. It was fine. It's, a, it was it's annoying when you watch it, but the yes. end is always good. The end is always good when someone wins and someone loses. Yeah. Okay. Good point. What do you have coming up on John Boy Media? I'm firing back, talking baseball. Uh, Monday recap episode. Me and Jake and BBD will be taking over doing it. Uh, and, dude, playoffs are here, basically. Got a few races left, a few seedings left to figure out, but it's about to get hot in the streets, Chris. What do you got? Rose Rotation, latest episode is out with uh, a guy who's had a very, very good season out of Houston's bullpen, Ryan Stanek. Funny dude. He's got a good attitude about life. Um, interesting stuff coming out of his mouth. We talked a little bit about joining a team that had the cheating scandal hanging over their head. That that clip is already out. Uh, I love the origins of his name. It's not Ryan stanick it's ryan stanick yeah yep. covered that he's a st louis dude so we talked about if what it would be like to have the opportunity to pitch to albert Pujols with 700 on line he said because really facing him early in his career he was like holy shit i cannot believe like this is my hero i get to face like that's pretty awesome that he got a chance to do that and so we talked about all that good stuff plus a few uh special surprises coming up later in the week Okay. 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 It's good to have you back, my man. You know, we appreciate Jerry Blevins and Steve Berthume filling in for you last week, but you know, this is the show. We love it. Yeah. Let's get fine tuned for the playoffs. Okay. I am fine tuned, baby. All right. Good. For our outstanding one of a kind producer, Dan Rourke, who has been compared to Michael Jordan on YouTube channels and Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. We'll see you Tuesday on Baseball Today.